Are we ready? We're ready to go? Okay. So welcome to the League of Women Voters 2016 election coverage. I am Helen Hutchison with the League of Women Voters of California. The League of Women Voters is a trusted organization that encourages informed and active participation in government. We do not support or oppose candidates or political parties. This is one of a series of forums to showcase candidates for U.S. Congress, the California State Senate, and State Assembly here. Members of the audience are invited to submit questions for the candidates. There are league members circulating to pick with, with index cards for questions, and they will both provide the cards and pick them up. In this program, we'll be hearing from candidates for the State Assembly. So let me introduce the candidates. From your left to right, Claire Chiara and Tony Thurmond. Um, each candidate will have an opportunity to give a two-minute opening statement, and then we will ask questions and, and alternate who answers with one-minute answers. At the end, each candidate will be allowed to make a two-minute closing statement. Our time is right here in the front row and has signs to show you how much time you have left. Um, and so, let's... Um, now it's time for opening statements, and first up is Claire Chiara. Hi everyone, my name is Claire Chiara, and I'm running to be your state assembly member right here in California's 15th district. Now, in the midst of this contentious and divisive presidential election year, I encourage all of my fellow citizens to recognize that most of the decisions that affect our daily lives are not made in Washington, D.C. or in the White House, but they're made right here in our own backyard in Sacramento by the California State Legislature. Where your kids go to school, how good those schools are, what types of taxes you pay, ranging from property taxes to gas taxes to sin taxes, and whether public sector employee unions are unable to, to strike and prevent your ability to get to your job on a daily basis. Those decisions are not made in DC. Those decisions are made by California State Assembly members and state senators. Now, during this year, we saw people across the country and across the political spectrum come together in agreement on one thing, and that's the fact that the political status quo has simply failed to represent us. And unfortunately, here in California, we have a microcosm of that with, with, in Sacramento, where our state legislature simply fails to champion the wants and needs of everyday working Californians and their families. And despite decades of promises, we have extremely high gas taxes, and yet we have terrible roads. We have ever-increasing government regulations that are pushing businesses and thousands of jobs out of the state rather than bringing them in. And despite decades of promises, we have a, a crippled public education system that consistently ranks in the bottom portion of public education systems across the country, even though we allocate 40% of our state's general fund to it. So I'm running to give the voters of my district a new choice and a new voice on their ballot in November, and hopefully uh, run as an, as an option from the political status quo that has failed to, to champion uh, unions. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Thurman. My name is Tony Thurman, and it's been my honor to represent the 15th Assembly District that you're a selfie person for the last two years. You know, the issues that we face here in the 15th Assembly District reflect those that we reflect worldwide. We've got to do more to address issues around homelessness, around affordable housing, improving our schools, protecting our environment, creating good jobs, and addressing criminal justice issues. We've got to make sure that African Americans aren't shot, 
when they're unarmed and being impacted by law enforcement. We've got to make sure that our kids can graduate school and go on to college. And I'm thankful that I've had these two years to work on legislation to do just these things. Over the past several years, we've increased our minimum wage in the state to be the highest of any state in our nation. I'm honored to have been the co-author of legislation to increase overtime for farm workers in our state and to provide more benefits for seniors and people with disabilities and to really work to reduce poverty. We've created the first ever California Earned Income Tax Credit. And we've worked to repeal laws that say that our families that are on public assistance lose benefits even when they have additional family members and need additional support to try and make it in today's communities and in today's society. Now we still have more work to do. We've got to do more on affordable housing. And I'm proud of the bill that I was able to get signed by the governor to create junior accessory dwelling units to help homeowners stay in their home and create new spaces for others who are looking for affordable places to rent. But we need to do more, and I'll introduce legislation for teacher housing to help us provide more teachers in our communities that are being priced out of the Bay Area, to increase our low-income housing tax credit so we can provide affordable housing for low-income Californians. I'll build on the work that we've done with the bill that we got passed to provide dollars to our school districts to reduce the dropout rate to ensure that kids stay in California. We'll continue to fight for the issues that we know are important to the people that live in the Selby District, and that overall will increase the quality of life for the people who live here in California. Thank you both. Uh, first question will go first to Mr. Thurmond. Um, what is your plan for tackling homelessness, and what do you see as the federal, state, and local roles in housing for our communities? You know, I'm honored to have worked this year as budget chairman of the Health and Human Services Budget Committee, and as a result of that, we put millions of dollars more in what's called rapid rehousing for homeless families. Uh, it's a good start. We also passed legislation that provided a $2 billion bond to provide housing services for those who are homeless with mental health needs. It's a good start, but there's so much more that we need to do. And because the state many years ago took away redevelopment from our cities, our cities struggle to provide affordable housing. So my focus in Sacramento will continue to be provide a permanent measure for us to have affordable housing in our cities to make sure that affordable housing and workforce housing is available for all in the 15th district and all in California. I'll continue our work to address homeless needs and to ensure that we have strong programs like a teacher housing program and a workforce housing program and the low-income housing tax credit so that we can have affordable housing at all levels of our community. Thank you. Ms. The issue of homelessness and affordable housing I see as tripart. First of all, we have issues with mentally ill individuals who need help, um, many of them former veterans. Um, we also have the issue of people that are addicted to drugs and also need help. And thirdly, we have people that are simply too low income to be able to afford the spiraling cost of housing here in the Bay Area. Unfortunately, the term affordable housing in reference to government regulations that set mandatory quotas for uh, multi-unit housing, where some of the units have to be affordable, is simply not an affordable solution. What ends up happening is you have certain units in these buildings that are affordable for certain individuals, and the market price of the rest of the units goes up. It's a simple price quantity issue. Um, 
very basic economics. And so my plan is that we need to lessen this government involvement in housing, and we need to better our zoning requirements at the city level to allow, like in cities like Berkeley, to allow larger buildings, larger multi-purpose buildings, multi-unit buildings, so that there are more units available and more people can access those affordable units rather than just specifying some. Thank you. Um, next question is first for Ms. Chiara. So what is the relationship between farming and water in California, and what will you do as a legislator to support both the farming communities and address California's water needs? The drought in California right now is a huge problem, and it's affecting us statewide. And we have individuals in the Central Valley that currently have no running water in their homes. And in 2016, that's, that's patently unacceptable. Now, agriculture does use a tremendous amount. I believe it's somewhere between 80 and 90% of the water throughout the state. But agriculture also provides food to families in California and throughout the country. So we need to stop demonizing agriculture. The answer to fixing our water problems and alleviating some of some of this drought that has been caused by lesser rainfall but has also been impacted by the government is A, we need our government to build more water storage. B, we need to turn back on the pumps in the Delta. And C, we need to stop spending government money on these redundant environmental impact studies that turn up results that we already understand. And we're wasting money on that rather than allocating money to building, as I mentioned, the water storage that will allow families in the Central Valley that currently have no running water to access that like a normal American in 2016. Thank you. Mr. Thurman? You know, water is a critical issue for our state, and, and farming is very critical for our state as well. California is one of the largest agricultural producers of products for the world. Uh, the issues of water and farming are not um, you know, two things that run counter to each other. We have to figure out ways to support the needs of both communities. We have to provide clear regulation that helps farmers to understand what water rights they have access to and that those water rights don't impose or impede the needs of environmental needs in some of our um, you know, um, you know, ecosystems throughout our community. I'm very proud of the work that we've done over the last two years to increase funding directly to address the drought, to provide water to communities that don't have water, and to support our farmers. I'm also glad that we were able to do that in ways where we can meet the needs of the people who do the farming, and that we actually were able to provide more wages for farm workers who help provide the food that is on our table. Uh, we'll continue to make farming strong in California and continue our work to provide for more stormwater treatment programs and storage to preserve water in the state of California. Thank you. Next question goes first to Mr. Thurmond. It's about m money and politics. How would you address campaign finance reform and restore a, vo a voice to the voters? You know, we, we need to reverse the trends of Citizens United that allows corporations to have unlimited spending ability in elections. Um, you know, I've been in politics for over 10 years, and the ability to win these campaigns for me as a social worker who comes from an immigrant background without any financial means other than the jobs that I've worked has been through grassroots campaigning and precinct walking. Until we come up with a government finance campaign so that we can take money out of politics, we have to work hard to reverse the trends of Citizens United that allows corporations through independent expenditure committees to really spend and to be powerful. The most important constituency is the voice of the people that we represent. And I'm all for campaign finance reform that supports publicly financed campaigns so that anyone can run in a campaign. I've spent these last two years supporting first-time candidates, 
young candidates, people of color, women, people without money who've been pushed out of the electoral process because they don't have money. Because I want public servants who want to serve us, not big constituencies and corporations. Ms. Kiara, I am a student, I'm a young person, I am a Republican running for office in the Bay Area. I have absolutely no institutionalized monetary support, and yet I have based my campaign off of going into the community and speaking with community members and participating in forums like this one today and trying to get my message out there in the best way that I can. Now, I am a huge, huge proponent of the First Amendment and of free speech, particularly on college campuses. And I believe that free speech is so integral to our American democracy because the way that you answer speech, controversial speech, that you don't like is with more speech. You don't stifle speech. I see money as speech. I see money that individuals has, have earned as their individual right to use that money as a way to get their message out. And so I don't, I don't feel that we need any more reforms in this arena. I feel that individuals should be entitled to use the things that they earn and the things that they have in the ways that they so choose, just as we protect the First Amendment for all Americans and for all citizens. Thank you. Um, next question goes first to Ms. Carroll. What will you do and should our state do over the long term to ensure health care access for everyone? This I see as, as largely a national issue under the Obama administration. Obviously, we have the passage of the Affordable Care Act. The Affordable Care Act has proven to be actually, actually very unaffordable for anyone that had health care before that act was implemented. For many Americans, they saw their premiums rise anywhere from 25% to 65% in the course of 24 hours, yet saw no changes whatsoever to their, to their policies. And so I think this issue um, with the Affordable Care Act points to the problem that when you allow the government to integrate itself into necessary services such as healthcare, you end up with crony capitalism, where there's an interplay between the huge insurance companies and the government, and you are not um, providing exactly what the individuals and what the patients and what Americans need. Instead, you're seeing rising, rising costs that are actually hurting the very people that these programs claim to try to help. So I would say that the answer is less government and, and um, less incorporation of, of regulations and blanket national policies in this arena. Thank you. Mr. Thurman? You know, the privatization of healthcare and companies, I should say, hospitals that claim to be nonprofit but really are for-profit and, and provide the executives with huge bonuses has really eroded the safety net in our, in our state and in our country. Now, I'm very proud to have worked on legislation to provide health care for all, specifically a bill that guarantees health care benefits to all, including undocumented children in California, and another health care for all bill that says that even undocumented immigrants as adults have the right to purchase through their own money health care in California. Uh, we're seeing a trend where public hospitals and hospitals that serve low-income communities are closing all across our state. And I've convened a special health care task force to figure out ways to block those closures. We've got a, a closure that we're facing uh, in Alta Bates Hospital, which is a regional hospital that serves our community. And we cannot allow these hospitals that claim to be nonprofit through the Sutter Health System or any other system to close. And I'll continue to put forward legislation and advocacy to keep the hospitals open that serve our communities, especially our low-income communities. Okay. Next question, first to Mr. Thurmond. 
What have you done, will you do, to end mass incarceration and build a criminal justice system that truly delivers justice and improves community safety? You know, we continue to see that the cost that goes into prisons has skyrocketed, while what we put into education continues to be diminished. You know, one of the most important things we can do to ensure that our kids get an education, as opposed to a life of incarceration, is to continue to increase what we put into our education system. And I just want to urge everybody to support a measure like Prop 55, which will renew the uh, funding that is important through Prop 30. Without Prop 55, we would immediately lose $4 billion for public education. I'm also proud of a bill that got passed this year, AB 1014, that will provide millions of dollars to school districts to make sure that young children, kindergartens from grades kindergarten through third grade, will stay in school, improve their attendance, and learn to read by third grade. That means that California children will stay in school and graduate as opposed to ending up in the criminal justice system. I'll build on that work by pursuing legislation to expand universal preschool, because we know that when kids go to preschool, they're more likely to go to college than to end up in jail. Thank you. Ms. Kiara? This is a two-part problem. First of all, we need to stop uh, ever reshaping our perspective on crimes. I think that Proposition 47 was absolutely detrimental to public safety in major cities across the state. And Proposition 57 will have similar impacts. And I also feel the same way about the proposal to legalize marijuana. Instead of um, changing our opinion toward crimes that our society agrees uh, cause societal plagues, we need to instead start and work with our California citizens at a younger age, and I think education is a huge component of this. I think that education is the universal equalizer in society when you have a good education that, that treats uh, all students regardless of where they live in the state equally. And we had a California Supreme Court decision that actually reiterated this point, that you need equal access, you need equal opportunity in your public schools, otherwise you're depriving young students of their, of their constitutional rights and so I think that the answer is we need to, we need to work with, with students in underserved areas earlier in life so that we can get them on the right track and ensure that they have a proper education that will, that will lead them for the rest of their lives to a bright future. Thank you. Um, so the next question moves to a different subject about climate change. We have climate bills SB 32, AB 197, and AB 1388 that have all been signed into law. So now, what are the next, um, what's the next step? What climate protection legislation needs to be enacted next to ensure continuing progress in this, in this critical area? First, Ms. Kiara. These climate bills are a continuation of a national trend that we have seen um, where we have institutionalized government level programs that are meant to fund green energy sources or impose uh, blanket restrictions on carbon emissions from certain industries. These types of blanket top-down, top-heavy, top-down regulations are extremely problematic. We saw this with a company called Solyndra that was right here in our backyard. And what happens is when the government steps into an industry and tries to force change, what ends up happening is that the government provides a, a subsidized crutch, crutch for these industries and does not actually spur innovation. It simply supports something that's unsustainable. So my perspective is that people like the ones in this room that feel very strongly about green energy and, and climate change should choose to support companies that they feel are green friendly. And that capitalist approach will, will push the companies that aren't making the necessary changes out of business and will grow the businesses that are benefiting the, the climate. 
Thank you. Mr. Thurman? Yeah, I'm honored that uh, I was a co-author of SB 32 to have an opportunity to speak on the assembly floor in support of AB 197. These are bills that will reduce greenhouse gas emissions to record lows over the course of the next several years. You know, environmental advocacy is not something that runs counter to economic development. What we're seeing is that there is a growth in companies that care about our environment, that are looking for alternative energy, that want to promote solar and wind power as ways to power our economies. And we should continue to reward these companies to invest in these types of technologies that will allow us to be strong economically as a state, but not at the expense of children in our district who have some of the highest rates of asthma and illness. I think our legislation needs to also focus on preparing our communities to address the impacts of sea level rise. We know that there is anticipated sea level rise that is greater than has been uh, projected and estimated. And we've got to help our communities prepare their infrastructure to be able to uh, minimize the impacts of sea level rise in our communities. Thank you. Now, this is the last question before closing statements. So first to Mr. Thurmond. So giving, given ongoing revenue challenges faced by the state in funding essential public services. Would you consider sponsoring a Proposition 13 reform bill like that proposed by Senators Hancock and Mitchell last year that would close some of the loopholes in Proposition 13? You know, I supported that legislation and it would immediately provide $10 million and I'd support it again. I think we have to have a conversation about a split tax in California to ask corporations to pay their fair share. This would not require seniors to pay more in taxes. It would simply say that the state budget would be balanced so that we have more revenue to improve education in our state, to improve our infrastructure. We watch our state budget revenue fluctuate every single year because of the way we do taxation in this state. And I think that the conversation about Prop 13 and split level taxes is a good time to be had to generate more revenue, to help strengthen our economy, and to provide balance for how we fund education, services for seniors, and people with disabilities. Ms. Chiara? I would not support that reform. Our state has the largest state budget in the country. We have a $170 billion budget. 40% of that budget is given to education each year. We do not have a revenue problem in this state. We have a spending problem in this state. We have a laundry list of services, subsidies, giveaways, regulations, um, except, as I mentioned earlier, environmental impact studies. So many places that this money that comes from our taxpayers through a series of taxes goes. And so I think that the answer to some of our budgetary problems is recognizing that we are not allocating funds properly and we don't have uh, proper accountability at in certain areas of our government, for instance in education. We do not have accountability at the district level once money, uh, some funds allocated by the local controlled funding formula made it to the district level. We have no idea how those funds are being used and so I think the statewide institutional answer is questioning where is this $170 billion going each year and why are our roads still so terrible with our high gas taxes? Thank you. Um, so now it's time for the candidates to make their closing statements, and we're going to reverse the order from the opening statements. So, Mr. Thurman, you get to go first. Two minutes. I'd like to thank the League of Women Voters for today's forum. I'd like to thank Ms. Kiara for her interest and participation today. I'd like to thank all 
who participated in this forum. I'd like to thank Bergen City College for hosting us, and I'd like to thank the people of the 15th Assembly District for giving me the opportunity to serve you for these last two years. It has been a record time in California's history. We've increased our minimum wage to be the highest of any state in our nation. We've passed legislation to provide guaranteed family leave, protected leave, so that parents can take time to bond with the new baby or with the foster youth. As we sit on this college campus, I'm very proud of legislation that I've gotten passed that guarantees that former foster youth will have all the funding that they need to go to college and to protect them from going from institutions that will charge them with high interest rates or you know, require them to go with a great deal of debt to get their education. But there's so much more that we need to do to guarantee that anyone who wants it can have an opportunity to go to college. And I'll continue to pursue legislation that will help us to improve our higher education system. I'll continue on the work that we've already pursued to make sure that our kids can stay in school and graduate and be prepared for jobs and technology and for a great future. I'm working on preschool programs and kindergarten programs and ensuring that our K-12 education has more of the funding that it needs. I'll continue to champion environmental needs and to make sure that we're prepared to address issues with sea level rise. And I'll continue the efforts to address affordable housing, to make sure that we're building housing stock for low-income families, for our workforce, and making sure that we have specialty goals like teacher housing to make sure that we can address housing inequity and at the same time close the opportunity gap in our state. I'm very honored to have the endorsement of the Sierra Club, of Congresswoman Barbara Lee, Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom, our Attorney General Kamala Harris, and California's nurses, teachers, and firefighters. And I hope to have your endorsement in your vote on Election Day. Thank you. Ms. Kiara. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Many people ask me on a daily basis, why are you running as a Republican in the Democrat Bay Area? You're not going to get any support. People are not going to vote for you. And while that may turn out to be true on November 8th, I'm running because I feel that it is simply antithetical to the American democracy for voters to be stripped of their ability to self-determine and to choose their candidate. Now, many candidates and, and many politicians espouse concern about preserving a bright future for future generations in America, but they simply fail to outline and enact the necessary steps to preserve that future. I'm a millennial, and I am a, I'm a young Californian, and so these problems that we talk about as being problems of tomorrow are really my problems of today, because they're going to face me and my peers throughout our lifetimes. And I feel as though, particularly in California, it's really critical that we recognize these, this imposition of uh, ever more regulations, ever more taxes, ever more laws and rules on our businesses, on our working families. This is problematic. The government is a great thing, it's a great tool to benefit many people and to guard laws, but the government is not a producer. The government is not an innovator. The innovators are the individuals. And so my goal as a, as a political activist and as a candidate here, and hopefully if I became a state assembly member, is to ensure that working families and their children, people, people that are in this room today, they have the ability to thrive and prosper, and they're not constantly pressured by this, this necessity of, of blanket laws that tell them how to live their lives. 
We have seen businesses and thousands of jobs leave the state. There are no new businesses entering into the state. That is a huge problem. And the question is, why is that happening? That is happening because the California state legislature and the California governor prioritize imposing their agenda on every citizen of this state rather than working with every citizen and every business and every small business owner of this state. So I hope I can have your vote on November 8th. Thank you. Thank you both. So on behalf of the League of Women Voters, I thank the candidates for their participation today. For further information about the election, please visit votersedge.org, a website created by a partnership between MapLight and the League of Women Voters of California. That's votersedge.org. Members of the League do the hands-on work to safeguard democracy. We invite you to join with the men and women of the League to help make democracy work. And we have membership um, brochures here. Thank you all for coming.